coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. And a happy weekend to you, although it's going to be blistering hot. A lot of my friends are uh, going up to Knoxville to play in a softball tournament this weekend. I was asked if I wanted to play on a couple of teams. No, it's hot. What are y'all doing? No. What are you doing? Without uh, checking out a, a home to potentially list this morning, that appointment was at 11 o'clock. So, I'm, you know, I, I felt like I was probably braving the elements to do that. I got back to the parking garage at my condo and I ran into a couple of my neighbors who were just coming in from outside and you could tell that they had been outside extra they had on you know exercise clothing and were glistening in sweat I said what was chasing you was there a fire alarm that made you leave the building what was going on no they, they went out for a walk in that stuff better them than me it's too hot too damn hot and the weekend forecast uh, not only the weekend but like for the next Several days, I don't see anything dipping below 90. Maybe Thursday, maybe we'll get a cooling off of only a high of 91. And what's really scary is now we're getting to the part where we don't see rain in the forecast. I don't see rain in the forecast through next Sunday. Highs all at or above 91 degrees. Mm. 98 on Sunday. You best believe I'm not leaving the house. Mm. We are staying inside. I've even done a little bit to combat the surge in Georgia power rates. I have my thermostat, get this, I have it set at 75 during the day. Like at night, I drop it down to 72. And before you go getting worried about me or start making jokes about, you know, me being a lizard, living in a terrarium, it's actually quite comfortable. I mean, I live in a building that is concrete floors, concrete walls, concrete ceiling. I have... The, the the living room has like the full glass wall with the balcony sliding glass. So that that's the part where it probably gets the warmest. And the cats, cats love that. They like to be warm. So they're all sprawled out in front there watching birds and that one squirrel at the bird feeder. But uh, trying, to, trying to stay cool, but not actually blow the utility bill at the same time because Georgia Power, you know, they did that little rate increase and it's summer. So rates are even higher because of demand. It's it's just hard, y'all. Even our swimming pool, you go out and sit in the swimming pool, it's not exactly like cooling. I mean, it's okay. It's not like bath water, but it's only slightly better than the hot, humid air you're sitting in. Please, by all means, hydrate. Get this. It It's so bad. Like, we're in unprecedented territory here, y'all. It's so bad here in metro Atlanta, and I know it's bad everywhere else throughout Georgia, so bad in Metro Atlanta that the Atlanta Braves have announced some precautions that they are going to be taking for this weekend series with the Milwaukee Brewers. And they, by the way, have uh, a Sunday 135 start. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I don't care. Mm-mm. I don't care how good a team. I've told my friend Ludwig, who loves to go to Braves games, oh, we shall go to the game. No, not until September. The, Truist Park will not see me my butt will not be in a seat unless it's in an air-conditioned suite. Feel free to invite me to those. I will not be outside sitting, simmering in my own juices in a seat at Truist Park until September. I just I can't see that happening. Sunday, one thirty-five. No, that is 
scared. Why did you? Why did you even schedule that? That's no night night games at best. That's the best you're gonna be able to go. Yeah. And you got a Wednesday twelve twenty start. Ugh. Ugh. No thanks. Uh, anyway, the uh, precaution the Braves have announced that they are uh, uh, doing, uh, you know, making and some announcements as well. Uh, fans are allowed to bring a sealed plastic bottle of water, oh. one bag of food, and one bottle of what they call non-aerosol sunscreen per game ticket. So you can bring a bottle of water per person, a bag of food, like if you don't want to spend concessions prices, you know, pack that turkey sandwich, a uh, bottle of non-aerosol sunscreen as well. Uh, they also encourage fans to wear their favorite Braves cap to stay shaded and cool. I'm bald, so I have to wear caps all the time out in this type of weather anyway. And they will have cooling stations inside Truist Park uh, at first base and third base elevator lobbies on the lower level. I don't know exactly what that means. Well, I, You know what? I know what that means. They have a lobby. I know on the third base side. Is it on the first base side? I'm trying to think what's on the first base side. Can't. Uh, anyway. You can walk into this little lobby that'll take you to some of the suites. So they'll let you come inside there and cool off a little bit. But uh, let's see what else. Battery-operated handheld fans and misters are allowed. Okay, I don't know about that. That's a little. I don't. I don't want your. I don't want your sweat mist spray spraying on me if I'm sitting behind you. But um, they will permit umbrellas as long as they don't block other fans' of view of the game. Uh, according to the truest park guidelines. I don't see how that's possible. If, if I'm sitting behind you and you brought a, a parasol or an umbrella, you're, you're blocking my view. Uh, let's see. They do have ice water stations we'll, that will be set up and in place throughout the homestand at the left field gate, the chop house gate, the right field gate, first base gate, third base gate, the gates basically. Uh, the sandlot playing area in the outfield for the kids. Uh, also at the uh, first, third, and Jim Beam lounge uh, lobbies. The Chipper's Corner, outside of Wahlburgers and the Battery. Oh, God, the battery's going to be so hot and disgusting. Blech. All the massive humanity and their own juices. And, and uh, outside of Delta Wing as well. Oh, man. And I get it. We're, we're heading into the dog days, and everybody's kind of, you know, not really paying a whole lot of attention to just how hot and how deadly hot it is. But it is deadly hot and you're tuning in going duh i'm sitting in traffic and my ac is on as low as i can get it and the fans as high as i can get it why are you talking to me about the heat well it's it's getting to the point where we have to start talking about how severe this stuff looks get this uh i was reading this blog earlier parts of arizona have been so hot in recent weeks arizona who should be used to the heat right People are arriving in emergency rooms with serious burns just from having fallen on the sidewalk. Just from their skin touching the sidewalk, they're getting burned. The the month has seen broken records multiple times for the hottest day ever measured on Earth. President Joe Biden even responded to this uh, Thursday announcing that the Department of Labor will issue the first ever hazard alert for heat. I don't think anybody can deny the impact of climate change anymore. There used to be a lot of time when I first got here, a lot of people said, oh, it's not a problem. Well, I don't know anybody. I shouldn't say that. I don't know anybody who honestly <laughs> believes climate change is not a serious problem. <laughs> Just take a look at the historic floods in Vermont and California earlier this year. Droughts and hurricanes that are growing more frequent and intense. Wildfires spreading a smoky haze 
for thousands of miles, worsening air quality. The record temperatures, and I mean record, are now affecting more than 100 million Americans. Puerto Rico reached a 125-degree heat index last month. San Antonio hit an all-time heat index high of 117 last month. Phoenix has been over 110 degrees for 27 straight days. Uh. And with El Nino and the short-term warming of the ocean that exacerbates the effects of climate change, making forecasts even hotter in the coming months. Ocean temperatures near Miami are like stepping in a hot tub. They just topped 100 degrees, 100 degrees, and they're hitting record highs around the world. And that's more like, as I said, jumping in a hot tub than jumping in an ocean to ride a wave. Yeah. Most people don't realize for years heat has been, no, I have to admit, I didn't know it either. I thought it, I, I knew it was tough, but the number one weather-related killer is heat. The number one weather-related killer is heat. 600 people die annually from its effects, more than from floods, hurricanes, tor and tornadoes in America combined. And even those places that are used to extreme heat have never seen it as hot as it is now for as long as it's been. Even those who deny that we're in the midst of a climate crisis can't deny the impact of extreme heat is having on Americans. Americans, like an elderly woman in Phoenix, who fell out of her wheelchair and after five minutes on the ground had third-degree burns. Third-degree burns. Or the firefighter who's already has a lug over 45 pounds of gear through smoke and flame, which is incredibly hot. The job is even harder and more dangerous to do in record heat. For the farm workers who have to harvest crops in the dead of night to avoid the high temperatures, or farmers who risk losing everything they've planted for the year, or the construction workers who literally risk their lives working all day in blazing heat, and in some places don't even have the right to take a water break. That's outrageous. And before you think he's making that up, Texas is where state lawmakers recently passed a law overriding any local ordinance that gives construction workers mandatory water breaks. Governor Greg the Asshole Abbott signed that into law. Experts say extreme heat is already costing America $100 billion a year hmm. and hits our most vulnerable the hardest, seniors. People experiencing homelessness who have nowhere to turn, disadvantaged communities that are the least able to recover from climate disasters. Look, Joe, you can't mention just the folks that Republicans aren't going to get votes from. You got to go to the red states. And it's threatening farms, fisheries, forests that so many families depend on to make a living. Okay, there you go. But none of this is inevitable. From day one of my administration, we've taken unprecedented action to combat the climate crisis that's causing this. We're using a law I got passed the first day in office, first month in office, called the American Rescue Plan to help states and cities promote energy efficiency, reduce flooding, and open cooling centers. We're delivering over $20 billion from the bipartisan infrastructure law to upgrade the electric grid to withstand stronger storms and heat waves so we don't cause more fires. Look, last year I signed the Inflation Reduction Act most significant climate investment ever anywhere in the world. Meanwhile, FEMA has been on the ground responding to those unprecedented weather emergencies in real time. And I've traveled an awful lot in that helicopter with you all across the country. And to see the devastation occurs, the kind of wildfires and other, and drought and the like. We've launched a, 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 a place you can go, heat 
heat.gov. Go online, heat.gov, to share life-saving information that you may need to know about. Last year, my Department of Labor created the first ever national program to protect workers from heat stress. Since then, we've conducted 2,600 heat-related inspections at workplaces nationwide to protect the health and safety of the workers on the job so they're being taken care of. Today, I'm announcing additional steps to help states and cities deal with the consequences of extreme heat. First, I've asked Acting Labor Secretary Julie Sue to issue a heat hazard alert. It clarifies that workers have a federal heat-related have federal heat-related protections. We should be protecting workers from hazardous conditions, and we will. And those states where they do not, I'm going to be calling them out where they refuse to protect these workers in the awful heat. Second, the Acting Secretary of Labor will work with her team to intensify enforcement, increasing inspections in high-risk industries like construction and agriculture. This work builds on the national standards the Labor Department is already developing for workforce and workplace heat safety rules. Meanwhile, the U.S. Forest Service will award more than $1 billion in grants to help cities and towns plant trees that in the long term will help repel the heat and expand access to green spaces so families have a place to go to cool off yes. and to bring down the temperature in cities. The Department of Housing and Urban Development is providing billions to communities to make buildings more efficient and to make more heat, make them more heat resistant, open cooling centers and for residential areas and in the cities that the communities can go to to be safe. The Department of Interior is using infrastructure funding to expand water storage capacity in the western states to deal with the impacts of future droughts that are made every, all this more extreme heat, this extreme heat more consequential. Mm. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration is launching a new partnership with universities and impact communities to improve the nation's weather forecast and its accuracy so Americans everywhere can be better prepared when they when, and they can better predict uh, what the heat is going to be in that community with the weather. In all my Investing in America agenda, we provided a record $50 billion for climate resiliency to restore wetlands, manage wildfires, help Americans in every state withstand extreme heat. But our MAGA extremists in Congress are trying to undo all this progress. Mm -hmm. Not a single one of them, not a single Republican voted, voted for the Inflation Reduction Act, which had all this money in it for climate, which provides funding to, to combat climate change. And now many of them are trying to repeal those provisions. But we're not going to let that happen. Part of the reason we're here today is to get word out so state and local governments know these resources are available and uses them. We want the American people to know help is here and we're going to make it available to anyone who needs it. Follow guidance from the local leaders and public safety officials when you hear it in your cities and towns and states. Stay indoors if you're vulnerable. Be careful on hot pavement. Know the signs of heat stroke like headache, nausea, dizziness. And always have water with you. That sounds silly, but always have a bottle of water with you when you're outside. Mm. Check on loved ones and neighbors who may not have air conditioning <clears throat> and check on them on a regular basis. Or go to the mall or community centers or movie theaters or libraries where there is air conditioning when you don't have that air conditioning at home. Take advantage of local cooling centers. Hundreds are being built. 
They're there for everyone and they save lives. It matters. So here we are in 2023 having to ensure that we carry our canteens of water with us like we are traversing through the Sahara. And we now have a website called heat.gov. And our radios and televisions and phones are going to start blaring as if we're under a tornado warning anytime we have severe heat. That's where we are. That's that's our reality now. And I suppose now we're at the point where the climate change denialists will just pivot to, well, there's nothing we can do about it now. We might as well just get used to it. Uh there is no getting used to the planet being unlivable, unless, of course, we want to get to the point where Canada becomes the temperate place that we all have to relocate to, and then we're kind of screwed if they decide to take that strong border policy we've been looking to extend to our southern borders. Am I right? More on show after this on America One Radio, wherever you podcast. I'm going to go get some water. Welcome back to the Ron Show. Short segment before we, on America One Radio anyway, go to the bottom of the hour news break. And as you heard me talk about the heat, I can't help but think of the fact that like NFL teams, the Atlanta Falcons just started practicing. Uh, they opened a mini camp. This is why the veterans, by the way, a lot of, a lot of folks are like, oh, these spoiled veterans, they don't want to show up and practice all these. Remember when Julio Jones would hold out? Dude, do you go out there in that heat and put on all the pads and the helmet and hell to the no, man. If you've proven yourself, you don't need to go out there in that heat. People keel over and die. Like, literally, we get reports all the time. These athletes, these large athletes, just keel over. First of all, uh, you know, we, we saw where uh, Bronny James, LeBron James' uh, son, had a heart attack early this week. We, 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 we have gotten to the point where we have these superhuman athletes, super tall, super large. It used to be like if you were... Six eight six nine, and played basketball. You were scrawny, but I mean, these are marvels now—just muscular marvels. And even at uh, high school and the college and pro football levels, the folks who played on the offensive line back in the day were just fat dudes. No, these are massive dudes who can also move fat because they're muscular. They're not just large fat guys anymore. But you you can't you can't test the. I mean, the heart's only going to grow so big. It's only going to take so much. It can only pump out so much blood. And so, oh, I just can't, I can't get over the fact that that's why these indoor practice facilities are just all the rage in college football now. And in the pros, too. They have them in the pros. I know the Falcons are upgrading uh, their, their complex at Flowery Branch, even though they do have a little bit of an indoor facility anyway. It's just, I, but here's the thing I remember. <laughs> And this still happens because I have a friend uh, on my softball team or one of my softball friends who is a band director uh, north of Atlanta at the uh, county high school that uh, she's the band director of. And just like when I was a kid, these kids in the marching band show up two, three, four weeks before school starts and they practice, they work on their halftime show. So it's at least somewhat, if not fully ready for the first week of football, which is in August now. Look. When I was a kid, we didn't play football until like the last week of August, maybe the first week of September, like, you know, that that pre-Labor Day thing, the jamborees. And now you've got these football games happening in August. I mean, we're I feel like we're going to have to address that too. I really do. I feel like we're going to have to address that at some point in time as well. It's for, for player safety, right? But the bands don't get to practice on the football field, on the turf or the grass. A lot of the schools have turf now. They don't get to practice on any of that. And it's a little cooler on the grass than it is where the bands practice. 
And I'll give you three guesses where the bands get to practice their halftime shows. It's the parking lot. The asphalt parking lot. If you ever go to a high school before school starts and you're wondering, what are all these lines on the parking lot that don't look like parking? That's the band practicing on it and drawing the five-yard line markers that would be on the football field. That's what that is. Have you wondered that now? And you're like, oh my God, that's what, yes. And for three, four, however many hours per day before school starts, and even sometimes after school starts, because again, football team gets priority for practicing on that softer turf or grass, the cooler softer turf or grass. And it's not that cool there either, but it's cooler than blacktop asphalt. Yeah, that's where the band's practicing. Be thinking about them this time of year. God bless the bands <laughs> and the football players. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm thinking about y'all too. Anyway, back after this, the Ron Show on America One Radio or wherever you podcast. Get more at ronshowatl.com. Want to be on the show? Have a cause or campaign you'd like to speak up for? Email ron at ronshowatl.com or call 404-919-2725. The Ron Show on America One Radio. And as we head into the weekend and we're sitting here commiserating and talking about, you know, all the precautions folks need to take uh, in the heat this weekend, there is, by the way, also a small army and a growing army of folks who are out there collecting signatures for the Cop City vote petition, which has been given an additional 60 days, will now not appear on the November ballot, but will appear now on the March ballot. Uh, we had Alex Joseph on yesterday. She uh, helped us clarify a lot of that with a recent decision uh, in court that gave the Cop City vote folks the go-ahead to use folks living in the state of Georgia. They don't just have to live in Atlanta, but folks living in the state of Georgia to participate in the collecting of the petition signatures. They can't, you have to be a city resident, city of Atlanta, Fulton County, or DeKalb, DeKalb, Fulton, as long as you are city of Atlanta resident to sign the petition. But now anyone who lives in the state of Georgia can participate. Anyway, there are those that are going to be out there in the sweltering heat as well. So uh, hopefully they've got plenty of bottled water. I will, by the way, provide a link. I think I saw it on Twitter yesterday where you can donate if you want to donate to their cause just so that they have funds for things like bottled water. Although I would imagine that most folks who are going to volunteer are are bringing their own and hopefully have sunscreen as well. Um, So they're out there doing that to stop the Cop City, or I'm sorry, the Atlanta Public Safety Training Facility. I hate to use the jargon because I I, I do want to remind myself that this isn't just a police training center. It's also for uh, the fire department as well. Even though Fulton County is building their own and Fulton is part of Atlanta or part of Atlanta is Fulton County and whatever. Um, So I would invite you, by the way, to listen to that interview that I had with Alex Joseph. She cleared up so much uh, in uh, yesterday's show. You can catch that at ronshowatl.com or wherever you podcast. It's the second half of the show. Speaking of Atlanta police, uh, they held a press conference yesterday and they gave a couple updates on the unsolved murders of uh, Katie Janess. I'd like to move on to occurred on July 28th, 2021 at Piedmont Park. Um, Our victim is Miss Katie Janess, a 40-year-old white female. The suspect at this time is unknown. Miss Janess was stabbed several times uh, while walking in the park. Investigator Churchill is our lead investigator. He was our lead investigator from day one and has worked diligently and thoroughly. Throughout the years, he's conducted numerous interviews for this case. 
and also employed other investigative methods. We're working with our local and federal partners as well. Once again, uh, the tips that we received are vetted and uh, checked thoroughly. So we're asking the community, uh, you may not have even been in the park that night, but if you've heard or saw anything that seems suspicious, just off, please notify us. We will, we will check and confirm every tip. Nothing is too small. A lot of times we'll think we'll, we'll hear something and try to disregard it, but it's our gut feeling that we have to go off of when we're providing tips for us. Let us investigate these tips and we'll determine whether it's uh, verified or something that's not substantiated from the, from the case. So if you see something, say something, but also share it as well with us. And once again, uh, we're requesting with the community support, and you can notify Crime Stoppers at 404-577-TIPS. And once again, our lead investigator is Investigator Churchill. Thank you. We'll entertain questions. Can you talk a little bit about who the kind of suspect you are searching for in the Piedmont stabbing case? What is their profile, do you think? We have we have conducted several interviews for this case. Um, what we're trying to figure out, uh, it seems senseless to me. That is a senseless uh, incident. Uh, we've conducted, um, we've cast a wide net from uh, looking into our victim's background and also looking to other profiles of uh, persons that may or may have may or may not be capable of committing these crimes. But what's more important is we have a wide net. We're not just alluding to one specific person. Uh, we don't want a narrow view for this case. We want to open and have open up other avenues. If you have a narrow view of one specific person for this investigation, you may miss out on others. So as we continue with the investigation, which will be thorough, we're going to just keep a wide net until we could zero in and develop uh, additional evidence as well. After two years, do you think that the suspect knew the victim? I mean, it seemed random at the time, and we haven't really had anything like that since. At this point, do you all think that there was a connection between the suspect and the victim, or do you think it was random? Well, for me, it, it, two, you said two years pass. Uh, we're still solving cases that occurred three, four, five years ago. So what, what, what matters is the effort and determination that's being put into this case for our community. Uh, it's our expectation for our community to uh, lead a thorough and diligent investigation. That's what investiga Investigator Churchill is doing right now, not letting anything go and continuing to follow up on every possible lead for this case. But to, but to that point, do you believe the killer knew Katie? I can't say at this point. I can't say at this point. You talk about pouring through interviews, evidence. How many hours have investigators put into Katie Janess's case? Yeah. Churchill. We've worked on this case since day one. Um, every week we're working on this case. Um, so since two years ago to now, um, every week there's something going on with this case. So no days is went unanswered. So we're, we're working on it. And as the lead investigator, have you been in contact with the family? How are they feeling right now? I yes. They want closure. Yes, the mom is from uh, Detroit. Uh, I've flown to Detroit and met with the mom, spent some time with her. And I speak with her weekly also. Has there been another murder across the country that might match this one? Are you guys looking at other murders from, from across the country to see if we, match? we look at anything coming that's similar, we look at. Uh, our FBI partners, um, they're also looking into it also. They get the uh, information faster than we do, so they start looking into it, and they pass along the information to me, and I do um, my investigation. Last year when we were here, uh, you all talked about how you were looking at cell phone and biological data. 
can you talk about what you found, if anything, through those avenues? I don't want to get into the scientific part of this case right now. It's, it's not the time. Um, we don't want to put that out there. Um, as far as um, the technology part of it, we're, we're working on that also. Every week there's new, every, excuse me, every year there's new technology that comes out. And once it does come out, uh, our FBI partners and, uh, and I, we work on it and, and run it through the new technology. Can you talk a little bit about the frustration level behind this? We're at two years. This is a woman who was stabbed 50 times. Just a heinous crime that really put a lot of people uh, in fear in that community and beyond. Talk a little bit about the frustration and not being able to solve this right now. I know you, you hope to solve it soon, and this is why you're doing this press conference, but can you talk a little bit about you know, what goes into working in a case like this, the hours, the, the looking through surveillance, the talking with, with uh, witnesses or people in, in the park, and still nothing? It becomes frustrating, but we're working. Um, I take pride in the work that I do and my investigators help me out with this case. So we're, we're working it. It is frustrating, but we're, we're working it. We want to get it right. Last year, APD was firm that Katie's case is not a cold case. Do you still take that stance? Right. We don't consider it a cold case. We're still working on uh, leads are coming in. Um, information is coming in through Crime Stoppers. So we don't consider it cold in our standards. We don't have any information on for a hate crime right now, but I want to go back to what Investigator Churchill stated. He is the lead investigator from day one. This is an active case. We're not letting it go. Investigator Churchill has put hours and hours of time uh, while, working, uh, while working here for the police department. He is dedicated. He's motivated. Yes, there are times where there, when there's frustration, but once, it's, once we get frustrated, we don't quit and walk away. We pick back up where we left off and we continue with the work because our work is important for, our, for the department and more, most importantly for the family and the community as well. I feel it fair to point out, by the way, that Atlanta is one of the more cameraed cities in the country. And that is a point of pride for the Atlanta Police Department and Mayor Andre Dickens. They have, or he has made mention of that many times when holding press conferences about solved crimes uh, like the Buckhead stabbing uh, earlier this year, for example. Um, APD officials said there were cameras in Piedmont Park the night that Katie Jenness and her dog, Bowie, wa were both stabbed and killed and left there to die. Anyway, those cameras at Piedmont Park were inactive because of, I guess, outdated technology. Here's the thing. City officials didn't remove the cameras because they believed that just their presence was valuable at deterring crime. I would argue it, at least put a blinking light on them, <laughs> you know? Um, now, uh, investigators uh, tried to determine if there was any information to extract from those cameras, uh, but no images or video have yet been made public. At least that's, that's the public word. Uh, let's see... What do we know about Katie and her background? Um, 40 years old. She went for a walk with her dog, Bowie, after bartending that night at Campanolo. She worked odd hours. But then again, she never apparently had the reason to feel unsafe in her neighborhood of Midtown Atlanta. However, after Katie failed to make it home, her partner, Emma, 
went off to find her using her phone tracking technology, at which point Emma found Katie's cell phone in nearby Piedmont Park, along with Katie and their dog, Bowie. Katie, actually, again, as you heard in the press conference, uh, was uh, originally from Detroit. Uh, She moved here in the early 2000s to pursue a potential career in music. Uh, A former girlfriend of her described to the Washington Post, her words to me were, Detroit was a ghost town and I have to get out and make music. And according to her ex-girlfriend, Katie was a wonderful singer and songwriter of beautiful lyrics. Anyway, Katie did play in a few bands uh, while taking on day jobs that let her pursue her creative interests. And uh, none of those, of course, stints in the bands were very long-lived. She did continue writing poetry, composing songs until her death, uh, often uploading those songs to her SoundCloud channel, which can still be found online. I will give you the link to that in today's show notes at ronshowetl.com. It was uh, that night on July 27, 2021, that Katie decided to take Bowie for a walk through the neighborhood, stop by Emma's workplace, which was Henry's Tavern, at around 11.35, just to pop in, say hello. When she was there, Katie asked when Emma would be getting off of work. Emma said within an hour or so, and then decided to come back when she got off so they could all walk home together. So after saying goodbye, it seems like Katie and Bowie decided to continue their walk through the neighborhood, making plans to walk through Piedmont Park, which, of course, as we all know in Atlanta, is just down the street. And that tracks because there is a surveillance camera image captured at approximately 12.09 a.m. showing Katie walking Bowie across the infamous Rainbow Crosswalk at 10th Street and Piedmont Avenue, just down the road from Henry's Midtown Tavern. That is the last known location for both Katie and Bowie, and that indicates that They had been walking for approximately half an hour before rounding around to Piedmont Park. So a few minutes go by. Emma waits for Katie and Bowie to arrive back at Henry's Midtown Tavern since they had made plans to walk home together. Good while passed, though, and it became apparent to Emma that Katie wasn't coming, even though Emma made a few attempts to text and call her. So then Emma walked home on her own, expecting to find that Katie and Bowie would be there, right? Or maybe that Katie's phone had died or something had come up. When Emma got home, she was a little surprised to find that neither Katie nor Bowie were there. So she kept trying to call, kept trying to text. And after a few more minutes, Emma decided to use the find my phone feature on Katie's phone to locate her. Emma then got on her bike and began riding towards the phone's location, which was motionless at Piedmont Park, less than a mile from their home. Uh, I'm reading a little bit of this from uh, a link at unresolved.me. I will share this as well at ronchoytl.com. It was a little after 1 a.m. that Emma arrived at the park using the GPS from the Find My Phone app to point her toward Katie's still unmoving cell phone. As the story goes on, there at the 10th Street entrance to the park, she noticed what looked like a trash bag lying in the grass just beyond the gates. This, however, would prove to be the body of her three-year-old pit bull, Bowie. She told 11 Alive News, then, the first thing I noticed was, is I saw Bowie. He was visible from the gate of the park. He was maybe 50 feet from the gate 
on the inside and she was further on the right. I just ran in and grabbed him because I didn't know maybe he was still alive. Obviously, I knew something was wrong because he was just laying there. I didn't put two and two together because I didn't notice her right away. I ran up to her. I tried to feel for a pulse, but it was clear she was gone. I turned around and I just ran out of the park. It was dark and I didn't know what I was didn't know what was going on. I was terrified and shocked. That's when I called the cops immediately. Sorry, this is tough, uh, both to read and to recount. Uh, I do have the 911 call audio, and we will give that to you. Sorry to have to break, but we are running up against a break. We'll give you that call in minutes here on The Ron Show. On America One Radio, AmericaOneRadio.com or wherever you are. Final segment of the Ron Show. Yesterday, APD gave an update on the now two-year-old, they're not calling it cold case, but unsolved murder of 40-year-old Katie Janess and her pit bulldog, Bowie, both stabbed and found dead by her partner, Emma, two years and a day ago. Here's that 911 call, by the way. Atlanta 911, operator 7959. What's the address to your emergency? Sir, I'm at the entrance of Demont Park. I just was searching for my girlfriend's phone because I couldn't find her. She just said she's here at Demont Park. Please help. You said somebody's dead oh at Demont Park? Yes, ma'am. Please send help. Please. All right, yes, ma'am. I'm going to send help to you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right, can I get, a, um, can I get your name? Get a callback number? All right. <laughs> Where's she at in the park? She's away near the entrance. Like, I don't know how to explain it to me. Did you just see that? That's my girlfriend. What? Yeah. All right, hold. Please, oh my God, dude, seems like she's dead, dead. Like it's so. All right, I'm about to, I'm about to call Grady, okay? Please. Grady, EMS, what's the address of your emergency? Hey, Grady, I have one for 1073 Piedmont Avenue Northeast. Can I have a call on the line? Yes, ma'am. Are you still on the line? Okay, I guess she must have disconnected. She said uh, her girlfriend is dead in the park. Okay. Uh, her girlfriend is dead in the park? Yeah, at uh, Piedmont Park. Okay, did she advise where at in the park? She was, uh, she was saying that she was at the entrance. Okay, at the entrance. Okay, can we get fire and PD? I'm 915. Yes, ma'am, I already sent them. Thank you, 915. What's your operator? 7959. All right, thank you. We'll have up and route. All right.
Officers arrived a little after 1.10 a.m., found what was described as a gruesome scene. However, motive was what was lacking. Cell phone wasn't taken, nor were her $200 headphones. She had cash on her. That wasn't taken. The police, even uh, weeks later, detailed from some surveillance cameras around Piedmont Park. The nine inside the park didn't work inexplicably. Anyway, a few folks had been captured on some nearby surveillance cameras, like a group of women who left the park around 11.55 p.m., probably before Katie and Bowie were even at the park. A man seen walking from the opposite end of the park on Piedmont Avenue at approximately 12.25 a.m., and a person in a hoodie seen walking out of the same end of the park along Piedmont Avenue at 12.43 a.m. Uh, there was also a man in a blue running suit seen jogging in and out of the park at approximately 12.46. He had entered the park's entrance where Katie and Bowie's bodies were found just 15 or 20 minutes later. So it's possible he may have seen or heard something. Strangely enough, according to uh, this article at unresolved.me, uh, this man was only inside the park for approximately 40 seconds, seeming to run in and out within a minute, but his jogging pattern doesn't seem to change in any noticeable way. I'm always curious when I see someone uh, in Atlanta, and we've had a lot of vehicle pops of late, especially in, a, in around our neighborhood uh, in Old Fourth Ward. In July, when it's, again, hot as hell, and you're out at night wearing a hoodie, uh, there's only one reason for that. I mean, that's not a fashion statement. That's just pure stupidity, and or you are trying to conceal your identity from anyone who might be going by or nearby surveillance cameras, ring cameras, et cetera, and so on. Sure enough, one of our neighbor's ring cameras captured the perp that popped a bunch of vehicles uh, on the street uh, near where I live. And he's wearing a hoodie. Sorry, I, I, I hate to, to take the whole stop and frisk route because I don't think that's effective. But if you're out in July walking around in a hoodie and I'm APD, I want, I want to know what you're doing. More importantly, I would love to see instead of investing $90 million on a public safety training facility that wouldn't have done squat for Katie or Bowie, but nine working surveillance cameras may not have saved their lives, but would definitely help APD right now with identifying who killed them. Maybe perhaps we get some working cameras at public parks like Piedmont and not just the dummy cameras. Obviously, it begs that if you know anything or have any clues or find anything strange uh, about this story that maybe you can relate or maybe you were in the area or maybe you know Katie or Emma or anyone that knows Katie or Emma that it's always kind of been bugging you that dot, dot, dot. If you have something of that nature, by all means, contact uh, the Atlanta Police Department. It's curious to me that the FBI was brought in almost immediately. That's pretty unheard of for a situation like that. And there was a murder in a park of a similar nature days, I think a few weeks later in Stone Mountain, but there doesn't seem to be a correlation to that. Nonetheless, it's been two years and one day since Katie Janess and her dog Bowie were found stabbed to death by her partner, Emma, in Piedmont Park, and we still don't have answers. Maybe APD does. They're just not sharing them with us, but we don't have answers. 
That's it for The Ron Show. Thanks for listening on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast. We'll see you Monday. Have a great weekend.